MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, July 13th, 2020. Today, Trump commutes Roger Stone's sentence. Barr replaces the U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of New York. Mueller goes to paper again this time in an op-ed for the Washington Post. The CDC breaks from Trump and warns of high risks associated with reopening schools as Trump sidelines public health advisors. The president visited Walter Reed Medical Center this weekend, sandwiched between two golf trips, and he has now officially spent more than one year of his term golfing. Tucker Carlson's head writer quits after getting caught being a racist incel. Michael Cohen was sent back to prison over a gag order. A July 16th hearing date is set for the Manhattan DA Mazars case. And Trump and Fauci aren't speaking as we surpass 135,000 deaths and barrel towards 100,000 new cases per day. I'm your host, A.G. All right, everybody, we have a massive show today, including an interview with former federal and state prosecutor, CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. We have news from Under the Radar and the Good News Block with Jordan Coburn. And of course, all the headlines I just went over in the opening sequence, much of which broke during our live stream happy hour meet and greet Friday. Thanks to everyone who was there. A quick note to those who have applied to receive a sponsorship from one of our patrons. Uh, Check your spam or junk folder. If you wanted to be sponsored by one of our current patrons, we send an email out and it might be in your junk or spam. So check there. There might be an email with instructions for you. We currently have more applicants for memberships than are available, but folks are buying sponsorships for patrons every day. And you can sponsor a patron for someone that can't swing it right now due to COVID. Or if you want to get on the wait list for a free premium subscription in which you get ad-free episodes and you get them early for both Quarantine Confessions and the Daily Beans, just head to dailybeanspod.com and scroll down on the main page. And again, thanks to all our generous patrons for sponsoring other patrons. It's just $36 a year for our, for the premium membership. You get ad-free episodes, early episodes, the newsletter, my personal research notes. Uh, get to come on an hour early on the live stream happy hour. Um, when we go back on tour again, if that ever happens, you get to have uh, meet and greet access and premium seating. And there's just so many benefits and bonus content. If we decide to do a book club for Mary Trump's book, those episodes are going to be bonus content for premium subscribers. So again, head to dailybeanspod.com and scroll down and you can either sign up or uh, sponsor someone. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so as we learned, Friday night, late Friday night news dump, uh, Roger Stone's sentence has been commuted by Trump. And this is an astounding uh, level of corruption that seems to just sort of be par for the course these days based on the sort of scandals, the fire hose of scandals that comes out of this White House, as we've we've talked about before. Um, And, of course... The White House has put out a statement in support of the commutation of the sentence, and I wanted to go through it sort of line by line, Kelly McEnany's statement, the press secretary's statement about the Roger Stone commutation. 
Uh, as you know, in case you haven't, I just assume everyone knows who Roger Stone is. He he was convicted on seven counts of lying and obstruction of justice and witness tampering and threatening a witness uh, in the the Trump case. He's basically was the guy, the go to guy to WikiLeaks. And uh, he gave the president foreknowledge of those WikiLeaks dumps, which Trump lied about to Mueller in his written answers. And of course, Stone lied to cover that up. And the jury of his peers found that he lied about that to Congress and to the special counsel and, and obstructed justice and witness tampered and threatened a witness, Credico and, and his dog, uh, for turning on him or for, you know, to try to keep him quiet uh, about his testimony. The jury found him guilty. And now the president, whom he, whom he was covering up for, has commuted his sentence, which is different from a pardon. And I'll go into that in a little bit. But the White House statement fact check from Kelly McEnany, she says, Today, President Donald Trump signed an executive grant of clemency commuting the unjust sentence of Roger Stone, Jr. Roger Stone, I didn't know he was a junior. Roger Stone is a victim of the Russia hoax that uh, that the left and its allies in the media per- perpetuated for years in an attempt to undermine the Trump presidency. The Russia, the Russia investigation was not a hoax. Uh, it did not come from Democrats in the media, as we know, and we've talked about on Mueller. She wrote, if you've been, if you are, you know, if you listened to Mueller, she wrote as well. The investigation was open in July of 2016, right at the end on a weekend, when the FBI received a tip from Australia, Alexander Downer, or at least you know somebody in Australia that Alexander Downer, who's an Australian diplomat, had spoken to Papadopoulos. Uh, and that there was coordination between Trump, the Trump campaign and the Russian government uh, with a guy named Mifsud over the emails. The FBI director at the time was Jim Comey, a Republican. And then later, after Trump fired Comey in May of 2017, shortly thereafter, we got a special counsel appointed. It was appointed by the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, uh, at the behest, I believe, of Andrew McCabe, uh, Rosenstein and Mueller, both Republicans. The Justice Department Inspector General said the probe was legally opened in 2016. So after the Inspector General's report came out, with the you know with going over the FISA, Papa or the excuse me Carter Page warrant and all that, the the, the Inspector General did conclude that the probe was legally opened in 2016. They had predicate. Quote. Back to McEnany, there was never any collusion between the Trump campaign or the Trump administration with Russia. <clears throat> Such collusion was never anything other than a fantasy of partisans unable to accept the result of the 2016 election. The collusion delusion, she's putting rhymes in official White House statements. That's very awesome. Uh, the collusion delusion spawned endless and farcical investigations conducted at great taxpayer expense looking for evidence that did not exist. First of all, Mueller's final report did not conclude there was no collusion. Uh, Mueller explained collusion is not a term of art in in criminal investigatory situations. Uh, Mueller instead investigated whether Trump associates criminally conspired with Russians regarding the election. And Mueller said that uh, he did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with Russian government in its election interference activities. But, of course, there was tons of collusion, an entire volume of it. The investigation unearthed dozens of contacts between Trump campaign associates and the Russians, even though Trump repeatedly denied to the public that there was any communication before the election or that he had any business dealings in Russia when we found out later he actually had a Trump Tower Moscow deal cooking up. <laughs> so there, w- that's all, all a lie as well. 
Next, she says, as it became clear that these witch hunts would never bear fruit, the special counsel's office resorted to process-based charges leveled at high-profile people in an attempt to manufacture the false impression of criminality lurking below the surface. These charges were the product of recklessness born of frustration and malice. Okay, so she doesn't know how investigations work, right? You get the smaller fish. You charge them with smaller crimes in the conspiracy to get them to roll on the bigger crime of conspiracy with the bigger fish. This crime of conspiracy being the one between Donald Trump and Roger Stone, for example, him being the go-between for WikiLeaks, as you will. Of course, Mueller couldn't indict the president, so there was never going to be a conspiracy charge because it would implicate him. You see what I'm saying? doesn't mean there wasn't uh, any collusion, which is just a word that should have never... I mean, they used that word on purpose. That was a, a Russian active measure called reflexive control to make us think words don't mean what they really mean. Uh, There is no proof whatsoever that Mueller's team brought charges because they were biased against Trump or had malice against all of these millions of campaign aides that were criminals. Several federal judges ruled that the indictments Mueller's team brought against Trump's associates, including Stone, were legal and constitutional. They tried to have him thrown out multiple times, saying that Mueller was a, f- a hoax and a fraud. And, th- and the judges, time after time, said, no, they're not. No, they're no, he's not. No, it's not. They went on to prosecute. Juries went on to convict a lot of people. Uh, then she goes on to say, this is why the out-of-control Mueller prosecutors, desperate for splashy headlines to compensate for a failed investigation, set their sights on Mr. Stone. Mueller's team was supervised by Rod Rosenstein and later by Matthew fucking Whitaker. And in its final months, by Attorney General Bill Barr. If Mueller or any member of his team broke Justice Department rules, they could have been reassigned or terminated by Rosenstein, Whitaker, or Barr at any given moment. And he wasn't. Also, there's nothing in the public record to support the claim that Mueller's team set their sights on Stone in the late stages of the investigation. In fact, according to unsealed search warrants, Mueller obtained search warrants against Stone in the summer of 2017, just months after taking over the investigation. Crossfire hurricane from the FBI. Continuing on, she says Roger Stone is well known for his nearly 50 years of work as a consultant for high-profile Republican politicians, including Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many others. He is also well known for his outspoken support of President Donald J. Trump and his opposition to Hillary Clinton. First of all, Stone's support for Trump was not the reason he was charged. Uh, At Stone's sentencing hearing, the judge specifically said, quote, he was not convicted and is not being sentenced for exercising his First Amendment rights his support of the president's campaign or the president's policies. He was not prosecuted, as some have complained, for standing up for the president. He was prosecuted for covering up for the president. A judge said that in court. Um, Kelly, Kaylee McNugget McEnany says, uh, goes on to say, Mr. Stone was charged by the same prosecutors from the Mueller investigation tasked with finding evidence of collusion with Russia. Because no such evidence exists, however, they could not charge him for any collusion-related crime. Instead, they charged him for his conduct during their investigation. That's what you do if you're investigating something and they and the person lies to you and obstructs and witness tampers and therefore you are unable to charge the larger crime. You charge them with the crime of obstructing and lying. Anyway, she goes on to say the simple fact is that if special counsel had not been pursuing an absolutely baseless investigation, Mr. Stone would not be facing time in prison. Uh, Mueller's team was not only tasked with looking for potential Trump-Russia coordination, they were also authorized by Rosenstein to investigate any matters that arose or may arise directly from that investigation. Uh, We know what he didn't investigate. He didn't look into whether the vote counts were changed. He didn't look into Trump's finances. He handed all those off. 
Stone's lies to Congress about his efforts to, you know, help the Trump campaign capitalize on Russian meddling was an obvious and natural avenue for Mueller's investigators to pursue. The argument that Stone would not be facing time in prison if it wasn't for an absolutely baseless investigation defies logic because the investigation had was had a base. It wasn't baseless and he obstructed it. It was determined by the Justice Department to be properly predicated, the investigation. Second, if Stone had not lied to Congress, he wouldn't have been charged. Uh, Mueller investigated other facets of Stone's activities, but declined to bring charges. Kaylee goes on to say, in addition to charging Mr. Stone with alleged crimes arising solely from their own improper investigation, the Mueller prosecutors also took pains to make a public shameful spectacle of his arrest... They knocked on his door. He, they went willingly. Roger Stone even said they were nice. Of course, Trump tweeted, Oh, huge raid at five in the morning. CNN knew ahead of time. Are they in cahoots? I knew ahead of time. I predicted tomorrow morning, Roger Stone's getting hauled and he's getting his ass hauled in. We had so many clues. And these crimes weren't alleged. He was convicted by a jury on seven counts. He's appealing his conviction and maintains his innocence, but the crimes are no longer allegations by prosecutors. Also, the, commu the, the commutation doesn't erase these convictions from Stone's record, and we'll get into that in a second, because uh, Bob Mueller went to paper again. Uh, McEnany went on to say, Stone is a 67-year-old man with numerous medical conditions who's never been convicted of any other crime, but rather than allow him to surrender himself, they used dozens of FBI agents with automatic weapons and tactical gear, armored vehicles, and amphibious unit to execute a pre-dawn raid on his home where he was with his wife of many years. Notably, she says, CNN cameras were present to broadcast these events live to the world, even though they swore they were not notified. It was just a coincidence. Trump's, Trump and Stone and their allies in the right-wing media have repeatedly promoted the conspiracy theory that the Mueller team leaked information about Stone's arrest to CNN. It's not true. I guessed it. A.G. guessed it. Who the fuck am I? I mean, I'm A.G., but seriously. Mueller's team produced documentation to the court that CNN was not tipped off, and CNN's own reporting on its decision-making showed that the stakeout of Stone's home was based on a hunch that the lead prosecutor on the Stone case later testified under oath to Congress that Mueller's team was not leaking to the media. There were several hints and clues that came out that night. I, I saw them. A lot of us did. She goes on to say, not only was Mr. Stone charged by an overzealous prosecutor uh, pursuing a case that should have never existed and arrested in an operation that should have never been approved, but there were also serious questions about the jury. The four women of the jury, for example, concealed the fact that she's a member of the so-called liberal resistance. In now-deleted tweets, this activist juror vividly and openly attacked President Trump. First of all, the judge rejected many of these arguments uh, and ruled that there was no jury misconduct. Even after her ruling, Stone and Trump continued repeating the debunked claims. It's all bullshit. The judge said so. Judge Jackson, if you're nasty. It's also a stretch to describe, describe Mueller's team as overzealous prosecutors. They showed tremendous deference to Trump, allowing him to submit written testimony, declining to subpoena him for a deposition, adhering to Justice Department guidelines he can't be indicted even though that is not settled law. They also investigated but declined to prostitu uh, prost prostitute. They declined to prostitute Donald Trump Jr. Uh, they investigated but declined to prosecute 
Trump Jr. for soliciting political dirt from Russians at the controversial Trump Tower meeting, saying he was too dumb to understand what was going on. She closes with, Mr. Stone would be put at serious medical risk in prison. The judge in this case questioned this claim when Stone made it. He, he's been trying to get out of this for a while now, uh, trying to delay the prison sentence. Stone's lawyers filed a motion saying he has serious medical conditions, but the judge said their filing does not identify any medical conditions or conditions or, uh, that contain any private medical information. She noted there is not a large coronavirus outbreak at the federal prison in Georgia where Stone was supposed to serve a sentence. A federal court of, uh, of appeals held up, upheld that ruling Friday, clearing the way for Stone to report to prison. But Trump's commutation shields him from prison. Oh, she has something else to add. She said he, he has appealed the conviction and is seeking a new trial. He maintains his innocence. She's already, he's already been told to go fuck himself on that one. The judge already ruled the trial was fair and there's no misconduct. Stone is appealing his case and he's raised many of the same issues about the jury and his filings with the uh, appeals panel. Uh, and then she says the president does not wish to interfere with his efforts to do so, his appeal. At this time, however, and particularly in light of the egregious fact that the circumstances surrounding his unfair prosecution, arrest, and trial, the president has determined to commute his sentence. Roger Stone has already suffered greatly, and he was treated very unfairly, as were many others in the case. Roger Stone is now a free man! Exclamation point. Even Barr said that this, was, this prosecution was righteous, and he deserved the punishment he got, which is 40 months. He said it, he called it fair. Barr did. One of the career Justice Department prosecutors testified to Congress that Stone received special treatment because he was a close ally and supporter of the president. That was Aaron Zelensky from last week. That severely undercuts these claims that Stone was treated unfairly. Zelensky quit the case in February after Barr intervened to uh, lower the sentencing recommendation for Stone. And then Saturday... Robert Mueller went to paper again, surprising the shit out of me, <laughs> and penning an op-ed for the Washington Post regarding the commutation of Stone's sentence. Uh, he says the work for the special counsel's office, its report, indictments, guilty pleas, and convictions, should speak for itself, but I feel compelled to respond to both broad claims that our investigation was illegitimate and our motives were improper, and to specific claims that Roger Stone was a victim of our office, the Russia investigation was of paramount importance. Stone was prosecuted and convicted because he committed federal crimes. He remains a convicted felon, and rightly so. That is Mueller pointing out the fact that when you commute a sentence, you don't erase the crime. You're still a convicted felon. Only a pardon can erase the crime. But a pardon comes with some baggage, which is why I think Trump and Barr went with a commutation, even though Barr came out and pretended like he recommended against this. Um... Mueller goes on to say, uh, talk about Russia's actions that were a threat to, the, to, to democracy. The FBI knew the Russians had done, you know, had interfered in our election beginning in July 2016 with the release of uh, emails stolen by WikiLeaks by Russian, through WikiLeaks by Russian military intelligence officers. Um, he, he goes on to say, following uh, Comey's termination, the acting attorney general named me as special counsel and directed me to investigate Russian interference. The order uh, specified lines of investigation for us to pursue, including any links to coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. One of our cases involves Stone, an official on the campaign in mid-2015 and supporter of the campaign throughout 2016. He became a central figure in our investigation for two key reasons. He communicated with individuals known to us to be Russian intelligence officers, 
and he claimed advanced knowledge of WikiLeaks' release of emails stolen by those Russian intelligence officers. We now have a detailed picture of Russia's interference. Uh, the special counsel's office identified two principal operations directed at our election, hacking and dumping of Clinton emails and online social media campaign to disparage the Democratic candidate. Mueller says we also identified numerous links between the Russian government and Trump campaign uh, personnel, Stone among them. We did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired with the Russian government in its activities. The investigation did, however, establish that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome. It also established the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts. Basically calling Trump a lying asshole right there. Uncovering and tracing Russian outreach and interference activities was a complex task. The investigation to understand these activities took two years and substantial effort. Based on our work, eight individuals pleaded guilty or were convicted at trial, and more than two dozen Russian individuals and entities, including senior Russian intelligence officers, were charged with federal crimes. Congress also investigated and sought information from Stone. A jury later determined he lied repeatedly, repeatedly to members of Congress. He lied about the identity of his intermediary at WikiLeaks. He lied about the existence of written communications with his intermediary. He lied by denying he had communicated with the Trump campaign about the timing of WikiLeaks releases. He, in fact, updated senior campaign officials repeatedly about WikiLeaks and tampered with a witness, imploring him to stonewall Congress. The jury ultimately convicted Stone of obstruction and congressional, of a congressional investigation, five counts of making false statements to Congress and tampering with a witness because his sentence had been commuted. Because his sentence has been commuted, he will, know, he will not go to prison, but his conviction stands. Russian efforts to interfere in our political system and the essential question of whether those efforts involved the Trump campaign required investigation. In that investigation, it was critical for us and before us, the FBI, to obtain, a full, to obtain full and accurate information. Likewise, it was critical, critical for Congress to obtain accurate information from its witnesses. When a subject lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of the government's efforts to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. It may ultimately impede those efforts. If you ask me, A.G., what he's saying right there is that because Stone lied to Congress and to Mueller and investigators, it strikes at the core of our efforts to find the truth, and it may ultimately impede those efforts. I think he's saying that um, Stone's lies, his obstruction, might have had a hand in the fact that the Trump campaign was not charged Specifically, he was not charged with conspiracy. He said, we made every decision in Stone's case, as in all of our cases, based solely on the facts and the law and in accordance with the rule of law. The women and men who conducted these investigations and prosecutions acted with the highest integrity. Claims to the contrary are false. So, it seems to me he's daring Trump to kind of pardon Stone instead of commute his sentence. He's saying, with this commutation, Stone remains a convicted felon and rightfully so. It's like, I dare you, Trump, you should pardon him. It's almost like a calling Trump a, a, a weakling for only commuting his sentence. Uh, but why would Mueller be daring Trump to pardon Stone? Because that strips Stone of being able to plead the fifth in future cases against Trump involving Stone. And because a pardon is an admission of guilt, whereas a commutation is not. And by implicitly admitting guilt, he's implicating the President of the United States. I'm 100% sure Barr and Trump cooked up the commutation. And there's a bunch of bullshit, again, uh, where Barr is saying, you know, oh, I, I told Trump not to do it. Mm. 
I think it was, I think it was more like Trump was, I'm going to pardon Stone, and Barr said, don't pardon him because that implicates you. It's his admission of guilt, and he won't be able to take the fifth. Um, so if you're going to do anything, commute the sentence. And this just in, Lindsey Graham has agreed to allow the Democrats to have Bob Mueller testify before the Senate Judiciary, a move Graham has previously blocked, saying, no, I'm done with the Mueller investigation. I don't know if you remember that. Because they got him in the House to testify, but we couldn't get the Senate to do it. It's an interesting move, given that Mueller seems willing to talk a little more since the release of his op-ed. And now that the Stone trial is over... Mueller is free to openly answer questions about that investigation because it is no longer open and ongoing. Provided that he's not involved in one of those 12 redacted cases that was handed off and we don't know about it and it's some other case. I assume Lindsey Graham is either banking on Mueller not being a very uh, effective witness. You know, remember last time they were like, he didn't have any pizzazz. The media was like, oh, he was boring. I think either Lindsey is doing this, he's allowing the Democrats to, to call Mueller. Um, by the way, Mueller hasn't agreed yet. <laughs> that, that, might, that might not happen. But I think he's allowing it to happen, either because he doesn't think he'll do well, Mueller will do well, or uh, maybe he's thinking, he's like he sees the writing on the wall, he's looking for an off-ramp, a reason to abandon Trump as the election approaches. Well, Barr said, Bill Barr said during his confirmation hearing regarding a commutation or a pardon like this, that it would be illegal for Trump to, to pardon a co-conspirator. Let's listen to that clip really quick. Do you uh, believe a president could lawfully issue a pardon in exchange for the recipient's promise to not incriminate him? No, that would be a crime. Thank you. Now, I guarantee you, Barr will say, ah, ah, ah. Trump commuted Stone's sentence, and I, I, I said pardon. And that's what he'll say when he's asked about it this coming July 28th, provided he shows up for that testimony. I don't think he will. Reporters came out of the Department of Justice this weekend saying Barr, again, warned Trump not to commute Roger Stone's sentence. I don't believe it. Barr had any scruples, he'd resign. If he did actually go like disagree with this, he'd resign. He has said what Trump did was illegal. Now he's trying to get us to believe he's advised against it. Bullshit. But anyway, come July 28th, he's going to say, I can't make it because of COVID, the spike in COVID cases, or the, you know, the spike in COVID cases due to the Black Lives Matter protest. I, I bet you'll he'll say that. Or because the investigation of Obamagate, I'm very busy with the, uh, with the stacks and stacks of crimes committed by the Obama administration who spied illegally on Trump. He won't. I don't think he'll show up. I'd be really surprised if he does. And Nadler will probably just be like, all right, cool, bro. Like, what? what's he going to do, subpoena him? Anyway, we'll be right back after this quick break to discuss legal ramifications of Stone's commutation with former federal prosecutor and CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. You have heard me talk about it. You've heard Jordan talk about her Helix mattress. Uh, Joelle and Mandy love theirs. It's the best mattress ever, hands down. Best sleep of your life. If you're having trouble sleeping, 
you are not alone. These are stressful times, and it's hard to unwind. But if you're tossing and turning, it could be your mattress, too. And so, you know, maybe it's just sagging or it's not the right mattress for you. Uh, I recommend checking out Helix Sleep. They understand you're unique, and they customize your mattress to fit your sleep patterns. Uh, they created a sleep quiz. Um, Helix did online. It takes two minutes to complete, and they uh, use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Um, some people like a soft mattress. Some like firm. Uh, some are side sleepers. Some are hot sleepers. Some sleep cool. Um, but with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique tastes. Uh, I was matched to the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side. I'm a side sleeper, so it's perfect for me. Um, but you don't need to take my word for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 sleeps, risk-free. If you don't love it, but you will, they will pick it up for you. Um, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, so obviously the lead story uh, for the weekend is going to be the commutation of Roger Stone's sentence by Donald Trump to sort of complete the the biggest scandal in the history of, of the United States, of United States politics. And joining me today, I wanted to bring on CNN legal analyst, former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks for coming back and talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Can I take issue quickly with something you said there? Uh-huh. I don't I don't know if it's complete. I mean, we could still have more, right? <laughs> I mean, look. He's definitely going to pardon Michael Flynn if if the Court of Appeals in D.C. Uh, changes its mind if they hear the case on Bank and, and decide to allow Judge Sullivan to sort of keep the case alive. He, at some point, Trump's going to step in and pardon Michael Flynn. I, I think there's still more to go, actually, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. I was simply only talking about the Roger Stone WikiLeaks uh, you know, bribery, lying, uh, you know, not flipping and, and getting his reward situation. Um, there, There's plenty of other giant, huge scandals to go. Uh, <laughs> well, and let me say on, on the Roger Stone news, which which, as we were all expecting, came out late on a Friday night. It was at, at the same time, it was the least surprising mm-hmm. news break ever, but also sort of utterly stunning, because it, even though. Everyone could see it coming. It was still there was still a sense of is this guy really going to do this? Like, is this real? And it, it's real. It, it's crazy and it's unprecedented, but it's real. Yeah, we we were actually doing our live stream. We have a, a Friday evening happy hour meet and greet live stream before Matto comes on, where we all just sort of hang mm-hmm. out on on Crowdcast and have cocktails and answer questions and. As we're on live stream, this this news breaks uh, the news. First of all, we got the news about Michael Cohen not wanting to sign a gag order on his book. And that's why he uh, had to head back to prison, apparently. And then, of course, the stone. Everyone's, oh, but Trump's mulling a stone commutation. And I'm like, ah, oh, it hasn't happened yet. Nobody, you know, it hasn't happened yet. And then it happened like a minute later. And um, so we ended up talking about that pretty Pretty much for the rest of that uh, happy hour. But it it seems to me a couple of things here I wanted to talk to a legal expert about this. First of all, seems like cut and dry obstruction of justice to me. Is that how you use it? Is that your read? Well, if, if we're talking in the sort of technical statutory sense, I think obstruction could be in play. But if I was in a prosecutor's chair and had to look for what's the most applicable criminal charge, I think bribery mm-hmm. is actually an easier uh, an easier road to, to go down because bribery is sort of when it boils down it's simple it's an exchange of an official act 
for a thing of value. So the official act commutation, obviously that's a, that's a classic official act. Mm -hmm. The only question is, was it given in exchange for a thing of value? And mm -hmm. I think the argument would be, sure, the thing of value was Roger Stone's silence, Roger Stone refusing to testify and cooperate. Now, Trump would probably, if he, if he ever had to defend himself there, would say, no, I, I, I commuted a sentence because I believed that the prosecution was unjust. But I'd be happy to argue that one to a jury. I'd just point to his tweets. Say, look, you praised Roger Stone for not testifying, for having, quote, guts. And Roger Stone on his side said that he could have turned on you and was expecting this. So I would start with bribery. Uh, obstruction is a little more complicated because there is a legal theory out there that some professors, uh, I'll just call them academics, have espoused. This idea that if the president's exercising a constitutional authority, no doubt pardons are a broad constitutional power. But the theory is, well, it can't be obstruction if the president's simply exercising a constitutional imperative. But even those folks can see that if it's bribery, you would still have a charge. So I, I would start there. But then again, you can see that when you pardon somebody in your own benefit, to your own benefit, when you when you're a co-conspirator, individual one, hello, um, you know, because I mean, it, this the whole thing started out with you know Roger Stone knew about the WikiLeaks dumps. He told Trump about them. Trump lied to Mueller about it in his written answer, saying he had no foreknowledge of the WikiLeaks dumps. Then it came out in the trial that Stone did tell him that. And then of course we got the Stone stuff unredacted, where it showed that you know he did have that conversation on the way to LaGuardia. And uh, Rick Gates heard it, who also testified in the Stone trial. So now we've got that, right? He lied to Mueller, and he knew he had foreknowledge of the WikiLeaks dumps. And their, their campaign was actually uh, strategizing on how to utilize those in, in, in the best way as possible. And so now, you know, here's we have Stone, and you're, this is exactly what it is. It's bribery. He's like, hey, Trump, I'm going to spill the beans if you don't commute my sentence. I mean, and if that's not directly said, it's nudged and winked, you know. Right. It, it's about as close as you can get to an explicit exchange. And I'm glad you made that point you just made about Roger Stone, because I think there's a natural, maybe psychological tendency to see Roger Stone as, as this curiosity, this uh, a Joker-like figure that's sort of tacked on to the end of it and, and sort of almost like a postscript because, A, he's this wild, ridiculous character with a tattoo of Nixon on his back who uh, has all these bizarre personal peccadilloes that you can read about if you ever look at Jeffrey Tubin's fascinating profiles of Roger Stone. And he was the last guy charged, right? He was charged by Mueller way after Manafort and Cohen and Flynn and um, and his trial even happened right in the middle of impeachment. I remember I was on set with CNN that day covering impeachment, and we got a quick break, a quick news break. Oh, Stone's been convicted on all counts, and we, we talked about it quickly, but it was like, oh, yeah, remember that guy? Remember that thing? But when you really drill down, in, in a lot of ways, the worst conduct, the most serious conduct, the the the, the most collusive, coordinated – coordinate that's not a word – but uh, uh, conduct – in the Mueller report revolves around Roger Stone. He's the guy who the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself tried to at least, if not coordinate with WikiLeaks, there's an argument they did, but at least know what WikiLeaks was doing and eagerly embrace what was going to happen next. And then Stone goes in front of Congress and lies about all that, as the judge in Stone's case found, in order to protect the president. And to have a president then turn around and commute that person is, again, as something – to, to credit Tubin twice in, in one answer, Tubin did a good piece about how even Richard Nixon 
wouldn't do that. And there's tapes of Nixon <laughs> in the White House talking to John Dean, and they're talking about ah, that way, you know, look, theoretically, we could we could pardon or commute uh, these guys who, you know, the Watergate guys. But but that that would that would be insane. That would totally blow up on us. We can't we, we couldn't even get away with that. Trump's just like, eh, yeah, sure, I can watch me. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and here's another thought, too, uh, because I think we were all expecting a pardon, but he got a commutation. And I was wondering if this is because with a with a pardon, you're admitting guilt and you are no longer able to plead the fifth if you were to testify against Donald Trump. Uh, is is that why a commutation? I, I personally don't think a lot of people are like, oh, he commuted it because a pardon. Everybody would go, oh, my God, I can't believe you pardoned him. But I don't really think that people are going to slice that hair. I, I, you know, I don't think I think it's more for technical reasons. What do you think? I think there's a few reasons for it. First of all, there is this sort of assumption. It's not written in, in stone anywhere, but there is this assumption that a pardon carries with it a sort of acknowledgement of guilt. I mean, normally when people go through the pardon office of DOJ, which is a thing, granted Trump's ignoring it, but one of the, one of the factors is, has this person accepted responsibility for what they did? So there's at least a suggestion of that with a pardon, I guess not so much so with the commutation. Um, second, practically, it allows Stone to continue on with his appeal of his trial, which is to me strange because I guess in Trump's mind and Trump's maybe fantasies and Stone's, they'll get the conviction overturned and reversed on the, in the Court of Appeals and then completely vindicated. I think that's very unlikely, and I think what's going to happen instead is the court, court of Appeals is going to affirm his conviction and just remind us all that this was legitimate. Um, I don't think I would want to play those odds if I was Trump or Stone. And then the third factor, what you talked about, is, is the Fifth Amendment idea. Um, he, here's the thought, and, and this, I believe, by the way, is, is a little more theoretical than, than practical, mm-hmm. but if Roger Stone were to be subpoenaed and put in a grand jury, theoretically, he can't take the fifth for something he's been pardoned for. But if he's only had his sentence commuted and he's still fighting the conviction, then he can take the fifth. But there is this theory out there that, ooh, they're going to throw Stone in the grand jury and let's mm. see what he knows. That's just not going to happen, mm. and I'll, I'll tell you why. First of all, he's taking the fifth no matter what. His lawyer will say, you must have other exposure out there. You've done other shady things. He'll take the fifth, and there's almost nothing a prosecutor can do about that. And by the way, he could also say, oh, you have state law exposure, for not for lying to Congress. That's only a federal law, but for who knows what number of things Stone has done. And it's almost impossible for a prosecutor. You can challenge it in front of a judge, but I've never heard of a judge saying, I, I reject your Fifth Amendment assertion. You must testify. Then even if that happens, Stone isn't testifying. He's going to tell them to go pound sand, and then you're going to be into contempt, and mm-hmm. it's just – it's just there is this fantasy that seems to be gaining steam out there that he's – oh, now he's going to be thrown in the grand jury and forced to spill the beans. No, he's not. He's just not. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between textbook law and reality. Okay. And um, and, and I thought that there were two rules for, for having your sentence commuted. One was that you had to be in prison, and the other was that you couldn't appeal your case. Um, I don't know about the – you have to be in prison. I mean there's people who – I, I don't I don't know where that's written. I don't I don't believe that it's certainly not written. It's not stated in the Constitution uh, and there's no statute on it. I mean, a lot of this stuff around pardons and commutations has sort of just developed through through practice and tradition. There's there's really almost no um, statutory type law. I mean, the Constitution is one sentence. It says the president shall have mm. power to pardon, except in cases of impeachment, um, meaning he can't pardon people from being impeached. Some people right. read that to mean he can't pardon after he's been impeached. No, he can't. Bill Clinton pardoned plenty of people after his impeachment. Yeah. Um, and, and as has Trump now. Um, 
so a lot of this is just sort of historical practice. There's a lot of I'll give you one unknown that I just came across because I was doing a little research. Mm-hmm. Can a president rescind a pardon? I was, um, in other, I was just going to ask, words, can Biden yeah. uncommute Roger Stone's sentence? Right. The answer is probably not. Although there's a bizarre little thing in history in 2008. George W. Bush pardoned this guy who had already been convicted and served his time. And then the very next day, unpardoned him because it turned out unknown to George W. Bush that the guy's father had donated a significant amount of money, I think, to the RNC. And so to their credit, I give them credit. Look, if you find that out and you go, oh, they took it back. But but the rationale they said was, well, it hadn't been officially served on him yet and he hadn't officially accepted it. So I don't know. Can a president undo his own? Maybe. Can the next president undo a prior president's pardons or commutations? It's never been attempted. It, it, there was a weird thing with Ulysses Grant where, where someone tried to do it, but that was, you know, that was ancient and it was turned on some technicality. But I think the answer is almost certainly not. And, and I also doubt that Joe Biden, if he wins the next election, would even try it. I'm sorry, Ellie. It's pronounced Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> is that right? Uh, no, that's just how Trump said it the other day at Mount. Oh, Rushmore. okay. I was like, how could that be? <laughs> how could that be? I've been saying his name forever. Um, <laughs> did he say? Did he pronounce Grant right? Yeah, he did pronounce Grant right. So you get, you know, hey, two out of three. He got the S and the Grant. Have you seen the cover of Donald Trump Jr.'s new book? Not to give it a plug, but I was laughing at that. Oh, with the with the uh, grammatical error. Yeah, Democrat apostrophe S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Biden and the uh, yeah. Democrats something, something, something. But maybe he's just talking about Joe Biden, the Democrat. I mean, that's 100% what they'll say, right? No, he just meant one person. Just yeah, the one. one. Joe Biden and <laughs> that, that Democrats. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm. You us with your punctuation. Oh, I know. Yeah, we used to have a, <laughs> a restaurant down the street called Brian's. And uh, it was owned by two brothers named Brian, and they put the apostrophe after the S. We were very, we were always very proud of oh, that. So. That's good work. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody. So Brian, we get on this? Night, right, <laughs> Brian's late night diner has better uh, editors than uh, Donald Trump's Junior's <laughs> book person. Um, well, what I mean. Now, there's some things. What can we do about this? I know that uh, Nancy Pelosi has said we have to have some legislation that says a president cannot pardon somebody that was involved in a crime that he was involved in or she. Uh, uh, but uh, they, it doesn't look like they're, they have any appetite for impeachment again. Yeah, well, let me, first of all, that, that legislation is going nowhere because obviously you need the Senate and the president on board. I don't even think it would actually be constitutional. It would be nice to see. It would feel good. But you're imposing a limitation that's not stated in the Constitution anywhere. I just I think even if that kind of legislation could pass, I think it would it would face a very serious constitutionality test. So what can be done? All right. The the answer is the only clean way to do anything is an election, right, which is soon. I mean, theoretically, there could certainly be an impeachment. I mean, look, if the president abuses the pardon power. Impeachment, would, if, I think if you could ask the founders, they would say, well, that's what impeachment's for. Mm-hmm. But here we are. We've already done an impeachment of this year and the election's around the corner. So there's no way that'll happen. I mean, Congress has a role in this. Congress can demand answers and hold hearings. Nadler has already suggested he will. But I, I know you know and I, you know what I think of Nadler's ability to get accountability, which is not much. Um, I also do think like, we talk, we started off talking about criminal prosecutions. I mean, I think it's possible and in play that a future DOJ take a look at this. I mean, if you think it sounds far-fetched, it's not, because the SDNY, where I used to work, famously, uh, 
investigated criminally Bill Clinton's granting of a pardon to the, the billionaire financier Mark Rich. Now, they didn't end up bringing charges, but char- criminal charges were absolutely in play there for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, if they could look at it then, I don't see any reason why, why a, a, a future DOJ couldn't take a hard look at that. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but in the meantime, the other news story that dropped on Friday night was the Eastern District of uh, New York uh, being, you know, again, being replaced uh, by a crony. And now, of course, we've got the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, Southern District of New York and now Eastern District of New York, um, which we saw coming last week. Some They were saying that they were thinking about doing that and replacing that person. Now, a, a lot of people, a lot of folks are saying that this is a setup to not so much to keep Trump from being prosecuted, because, you know, we have a lot of cases that could involve Trump in those jurisdictions, but more they're going to go after this, you know, because Berman didn't find anything or not. Who was it that was investigating uh, the Russiagate? Um, uh, oh, uh, Durham. Durham, not Burn. Burn. Yeah. John Durham. Yep. Durham didn't co- obviously didn't come up with anything or we would have definitely heard about it by now. And um, well, that could still come, though. He hasn't issued his report. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if they're holding that until maybe a little closer to the election. Uh, yeah. Or they're holding it because they're still trying to find something. But um, like is sort of what they did with McCabe and all that shit. But right. But now, I mean, in order to bring charges against Obama or Biden or anybody in the Obama administration for the Russia investigation, you need a grand jury to indict, wouldn't you? Uh, sure. Well, you, I mean, look, you can charge federally under what's called a complaint, but cases like this tend to go to an indictment, start in an indictment. Eventually, you'd have to go to an indictment for sure. Yeah, look, it, it, it is it can't be a coincidence to me. The three most powerful offices, the three offices that are most capable of bringing charges that would have national sort of political impact are D.C., the SDNY and the EDNY, and they've all been replaced here on, on the eve, more or less, of an election. That, that can't just be a coincidence. That can't just be, oh, we wanted to give Jay Clayton a, a spot to land, and we figured, why not, in, the, in charge of the most important prosecutor's office in the country? I mean, it, and the, if you need any proof, I mean, why is Bill Barr lying about it? Why is Bill Barr out there falsely telling the country that Jeff Berman has decided to step down? So I don't know what the goal is here. I don't know if it, 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 it there's, there's two possibilities in my mind. One is that it's specific. That they are saying we can't let this case, the Rudy Giuliani case, the Lev Parnas case, the Jelaine Maxwell case, the Hulk Bank case, the the inauguration case. We can't let one of those cases pop in August or September. The the other possibility is it's just a more general idea of let's just make sure we have these three offices, the three biggest threats, the three most sort of potentially explosive offices. Let's just make sure we've got some some real control over those offices and someone who's not going to put up a fit and not going to put up a fuss. And if we try to shut them down, not going to resign and go to the media, let's just make sure we've got those offices under wraps. Uh, It's got to be one of those two things, either the specific or the general. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, regarding the Obamagate quote unquote investigation, I mean, you know, if you think about it, I mean, what was what was the the perfect phone call to Zelensky? That that all that all wasn't about getting him to actually investigate. That was to get him to just announce one. And so, as long as as any of these three uh, un- announce or or t- take on the fact that they're investigating Obama, Biden, Obamagate, that enough in and of itself is probably what they're after. If they're if they're after that at all. 
Yeah, that could be. I mean, I, I think the president uh, understands that for at least PR purposes, it's good enough for his purposes to, to have an announcement, to have a, a news break. And then he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if, if it leads to anything. He just wants to be able to say, look, so, I mean, this is this is why you alluded to it and during the Ukraine investigation and impeachment over and over again. The witnesses said the actual deliverable, to use to use the terminology, was the announcement of an investigation. We didn't really care about the conclusions. We yeah. just wanted to be able to say, look. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, um, and, uh, you know, uh, we're we will you know, we can speculate all day, but we will find out uh, between now and November and uh, we'll see what happens. So thank you for coming and speaking to me today. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, yeah, as always, it was therapeutic. Thanks, AG. Yeah, I'm on uh, CNN. I do my writing for CNN. Write weekly for cafe.com. Uh, Twitter, you, you can find me. I'm around. All right. Thanks very much, Ellie Honig. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be right back with news from under the radar with Jordan Coburn. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. Uh, I have been social dis- distancing, working from home, and trying to reduce unnecessary trips out. Uh, if you're trying to avoid crowded grocery stores right now, try Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door, and it's perfect, tasty solution for these crazy COVID times. Uh, they have amazing recipes from all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, which is me, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. And you can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no, how mu- no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, which is good for me because I am terrible. Uh, each week, they deliver a wide range of recipes to choose from. So you can try uh, Hoasan steak, uh, strip lettuce cups, which are delicious with, with pickled daikon and carrots, black bean tostadas Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole, and roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant. You can order from recipes across their menu. You can skip a week if you need to or double up on your favorite ones. Um, some basket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety. This is the most important piece to us. They reinforce strict adherence to their operating procedures and they have increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for news from under the radar with Joe Jordan Joden. Joden. Joden Corburn. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I was just remarking before we started recording that it's hot as fuck right now. I've been able to talk perfectly well all day and then I say your name, which I've known for years, and it came out It's uh, Joden Corburn. Yes, it's emanating off of me. My word fuck. Yeah, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, welcome back from Vegas. I know you were just there, so I'm glad that you're uh, home safe. Thank you. Yeah, got some nice family time. Good. How how is the fam? Are they good? Yeah, yeah, everything's good. Um, it's it was 115 degrees there this weekend, so that's yeah, yeah, so much worse than it is here. But yeah, everything's good. Thank you for asking. Yeah. How are you? I'm I'm good. I had a good weekend. Um, just writing putting together proposals and writing shows and things like that. So I've been good, keeping busy. So um, we, uh, we've we got some headlines here. Why don't you kick us off with the CDC? Sure. Um, so classic CDC drama <laughs> that they didn't start. Trump definitely is the cause of their drama. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Or Trump sympathies. Sympathies? 
Is that a word? Sympathizers. What? I tried to make sympathizers into sympathies <laughs> with two E's. <laughs> oh, um, like the person you're having sympathy for is the sympathy. <laughs> right. <laughs> they all have sympathy for each other. It's disgusting. It's a big sympathetic and I'm the fascist circle jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Nice. Anyways, um, so internal documents came out of the CDCs and what these documents said, they they warned and labeled the fully reopening of K through 12 schools and universities as being in quotes like highest risk activities uh, or, or so I imagine I didn't see the report but basically designating those things as very bad ideas and things like the worst ideas highest risk ideas this all came out of, of new york times reporting and this clearly you know it's just reinforcing something that i think a lot of us are aware of which is that while cases are spiking all of this talk of fully reopening the school system is probably not a wise thing to do and something that a lot of people aren't comfortable doing right now and this internal document is just confirming you know sort of where people were already at it was a 69 page document it was marked for internal use only and the document was used among uh federal public response teams that were actually being deployed to coronavirus spots that were you know experiencing a lot of cases and so these documents were used to help local public health officials decide what to do and handle the outbreak so uh, a lot of the school districts that you know are starting to talk about opening there's there's like in the south you know there's people districts that, that are going to open in a few weeks. They're planning on reopening fully for the school year. So it's just, you know, more confirmation basically coming out that that's uh, not a good idea that we're probably not ready for. And that's, um, I mean, I don't know if you could really call it news per se, because uh, it's already been distributed and everything, and it's not going to change. I, I don't see how this is going to change anything really especially when you have the whole trifecta of idiots coming out right now devos pence and trump coming out saying that we need to keep reopening schools and he's just desperately trying to get as much as he can going in our economy and in the u.s right now before that november 3rd election so uh, it's just a bummer really to see that the cdc is strongly advising against this any time that they're consulting people are talking amongst themselves yeah and and the way that the reopening of schools impacts the economy is by allowing parents to go back to work without having mm-hmm. to stay home and, and care for their children and um i mean i i do want to be clear though it, it the correct thing isn't to say all schools should remain closed or all schools should remain open. There are probably some schools that can open with mm-hmm. a lot of social distancing and caution and contact tracing and testing in place. I know there's a lot of teachers who are in areas and a lot of parents who are in areas that could be able to open that should. However, the CDC, I think what they're saying is based on their reopening guidelines, phase one, phase two, phase three of having to have two weeks of a negative case uh, reporting. Um, that there's not any state that's ready to do that. That doesn't mean that there aren't any districts that Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be able to. Um, But, you know, right now Florida is seeing a record over 15,000 new cases overnight as they're they're just reopening Disney World and Epcot Center. Cool, cool. 
And, you know, of course, the White House just today threw Fauci under the bus saying, you know, putting out a statement about how many ways he's been wrong. They're they're propagandizing, propagandizing, propagizing, whatever. It's happening, uh, A.G. You've been talking to me too Fauci. much. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Definitely. Every time I get on the phone with you, <laughs> propagandizing but- the... Uh, What's going on and uh, with Fauci? And so now I like I did, dude. I fucking said it two months ago. Fauci should quit. Yeah. And 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 speak out. And then I said it a month ago. He should quit and speak out. And now I'm saying it again. He should quit and speak out. People are like, well, he can't. You know, Trump can't fire him. He should stay there. He's doing more harm than good. I, I don't think he is where he. I don't think he's doing as much good where he is right now. Uh, I mean, you know, open a window. They're not even talking right now. No, they haven't talked for two months. Like, look around. It, it, fucking break glass emergency. You know, um, you know we have over a hundred and we've surpassed one hundred thirty-five thousand deaths. We're well over three million cases in the United States, and so this is just continuing to to spike out of control. Twice mm-hmm. as much as twice as bad as it was in New York when we shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- and here we are opening things up. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, right. Also this weekend, um, Cohen was sent back to prison. This was breaking, another thing that was breaking during our happy hour meet and greet mm-hmm. live stream. Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer and fixer, has been sent back to prison, from which he was released in May, a day after balking at a requirement that he refrain from speaking to the media or publishing his book while under home confinement. Cohen's lawyer, Jeffrey Levine, said in an interview that he's trying to speak with the Bureau of Prisons officials to discuss what can be done to get him out of federal prison in Otisville, New York. The attorney said Cohen is at risk of catching the coronavirus there because of pre-existing health issues. Cohen was released from Otisville in late May because of concerns he would become infected with the virus. Records show eight inmates and one staff member at Otisville have COVID-19. Uh, Levine accused the Bureau of Prisons of issuing a false narrative in justifying that Cohen can be abruptly taken into custody on Thursday. Cohen's lawyer said he will ask a federal judge to get involved in the situation if he can't resolve it with the agency, the Bureau of Prisons. And on Friday morning, the lawyer, uh, Cohen's attorney, said he has been unable to get a response from the Bureau in his efforts to contact the officials there. Uh, The Bureau says Cohen was taken into custody after he refused to sign an agreement that included multiple restrictions, including the media gag, which would bar him from speaking to journalists, posting on social media, having others post on social media on his behalf, or publishing a book. And that would prevent him from speaking out publicly against Trump, as he has done repeatedly in the past, until his criminal sentence expires next year. A copy of the order said the purpose of the gag, which would also require Cohen to tell his family and friends, like I said, to not post on social media, is to avoid glamorizing or bringing publicity to your status as a sentenced inmate serving a (laughs) custodial term in the community. What it really is is Barr saying, we don't want you to say anything bad about Trump while you're not in prison. Um, Levine said uh, Cohen, who plans to release his book in September, um, never refused to sign the deal. Uh, but he said that Cohen raised concerns that the gag would infringe on his First Amendment rights and asked the probation officials to negotiate at that point. And that's, I guess, when they showed up with shackles and took him away. Cohen is now unwilling to agree or Cohen is now willing to agree to all those conditions for home confinement that were presented to him Thursday. So that's what's going on there. Wow. I don't I don't do. You, do you remember if his attorneys tried to argue that he had medical conditions before he got sentenced that would prevent him from being able to safely exist in a jail no he didn't file he didn't file any stays on his entering prison the way that stone did for example right. stone said he, or manafort. he had too many yeah and and manafort but manafort wasn't for covid stones was for covid manafort was just because he's got medical conditions right 
just in general. Yeah, but then after he'd been in prison for a while, they wrote a letter saying, hey, I got pre-existing conditions. There's eight people here tested positive. I need to go home. So mm. that's Wait, what's does going that count- on with him. Does that count as a pre-existing condition that other people are sick around you? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, just that other people are sick and he's got a pre-existing condition, ah, but they don't got it, got list it, got what it. that is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering. Uh, I was like, I feel like I don't remember them ever saying that he had any health problems before, but I get it. I get it if you're his attorneys, obviously, you're going to do and say whatever you can. Yeah. So like maybe before COVID, you know, if he's got some sort of uh, like chronic bronchitis or something sure. or asthma, that wouldn't be an issue to go to prison. That wouldn't right. be something that you would win on an appeal to go, to not go to prison for. But if there's COVID in the prison, it might be. And they mm-hmm. were going to give it to him, but they insisted on this gag order, which he tried to negotiate, and then they took him back to prison. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, okay. So oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Are you there? Remote remote podcasting problems. I know, I'm leaving it in for the realness of it. That's so funny. I just okay, anyways. Uh my turn. Yeah, I usually give you a handoff like Jordan, tell us what's going on with Tucker Carlson's lead incel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um Really quickly, just to sort of go over something that we had mentioned in the previous segment, it is being fully reported that Trump and Fauci are not talking, like, at all. Like you said, for months they haven't been talking. Uh, He's also, I mean, Trump's just been, like, straight up critiquing him on TV and, like, not allowing him to defend himself. Clearly, Trump never allows people to defend themselves. Uh, But Fauci is just, like... Kind of unsurprised, it seems, that he's sort of, you know, not making the same appearances that he was making before. He said this to the Financial Times this week. He said, I have a reputation, as you probably have figured out, of speaking the truth at all times and not sugarcoating things. And that may be one of the reasons why I haven't been on television very much lately. But that's shitty to me because that's exactly why he should be on television more. And it's, like you said, I mean, it's definitely an argument to be had with you know, between these two sides of whether or not he should stay or go. But point is, the headline is that it's confirmed that they are not talking. And they even asked him to show up via, like, telephone instead of in person to a meeting the other day, too. And he was surprised by that. So their relationship, which was at one time, you know, supposedly okay, it is now not okay. Uh, And finally, the headline that I have is Tucker Carlson. Related, his top writer at Fox, he has put in a letter of resignation that has been accepted by the network for going on the internet under a pseudonym and being hella racist, sexist, and gross. And the the stuff that he responded to, like I don't even want to say it on air because the subject lines in these posts contain the N word and just they're horrible. They're like. It's writing prompts for racists. It's it's really, really mm-hmm. gross. And I've never been on any of these sites, so I didn't really know how this shit works. But just even reading this amount of reporting from this story alone, it's really fucking nasty. But, like, yeah, someone had asked if you would... Uh, I'll paraphrase it. Someone asked if you would let a black person do LASIK eye surgery on you for 50% off. That was the gist of the prompt. And he wrote... His name's Blake Neff. He wrote... 
I wouldn't get LASIK from an Asian for free, so no. And then on June 5th, he wrote, uh, Black dude staying inside playing Call of Duty is probably one of the biggest factors keeping crime down. Just <laughs> horrible shit. And then on June 24th, he wrote, Honestly, given how tired black people always claim to be, maybe the real crisis is their lack of sleep. So just incredibly racist and dismissive comments, which are not surprising uh, for me to know that he's saying those things. Honestly, the most surprising thing about this story is that he even put in a letter of resignation and that Fox even accepted (laughs) it and found it was worthy of, like, admonishment, you know? Like, I I can't even... Mm -hmm. I'm actually surprised about that. But good riddance, I guess? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not like your whole fucking writing team isn't still saying the same shit that that, that, that dog whistles to those people. It's like not going to mm-hmm. be any any sort of a changed product, but good. I mean, it's hard to knock them. Yeah, I mean, for- you you sort of you sort of have to expect that Tucker Tucker Carlson's head writer because Tucker Carlson says those things, but he couches it in in acceptable speech, so right. to speak. Right. And so you have to have a if you're going to write for Tucker Car- Tucker Carlson, you have to be a racist. And if you're a racist, you are a huge piece of shit. So I, yes. I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not surprised. I'm absolutely not. He's misogynist too. He's uh, he he. And if you see a photo of this guy, I have no idea who convinced him he's part of a master race because, dude. <laughs> I um, haven't looked. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Google that guy. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's 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 not surprising to me at all. And, you know, right, good riddance. Like, finally, we can watch Fox News now? Yeah, no. It'll, he'll just be, his job will be taken over by some other racist asshole. Exactly. And you know what um, also pisses me off? Sorry, really quick. What also really pisses me off about this, too, is that... These are the kinds of things that racists uh, at Fox News will point to saying that they're they're doing something to make it better or take things seriously. And this doesn't do anything because your content is the same and your content is the problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, we fired the rapists and we got rid of the racist guy. So we see we're fair and balanced. (laughs) That'll be there. That'll be their thing. Uh, all right. Well, last bit of news here um, before we get to the good news. Uh, as we know, last week we got the Trump tax decisions from the Supreme Court. In the House cases, oversight, finance, and uh, House intelligence, the court said, no, uh, Trump, you do not have total immunity. You don't have blanket immunity. Uh, You do not get special consideration for subpoenas because you're the president. You are not above the law, but we're sending this back down to the lower courts to decide what is applicable under the separation of powers clause and to decide if new reasons given by either side justify the subpoenas for Trump's financial documents or justify Trump's blocking of those subpoenas. But the Vance case, the Manhattan district attorney whose grand jury subpoenaed Mazars for Trump's records, was sent back down to the lower court for consideration, and that court pretty much immediately issued orders for both parties to submit their shit by this Thursday. We need your new reasons because, you know, they're basically like, no, you're not above the law, Trump. You need a better reason. Uh, And so the court gave them till Thursday. Give us your give us your better reasons, asshole. 
Um, but and, and so that is fast. That's a fast turnaround, which gives me a little hope uh, for this. You know, we'll keep you posted on these filings and how the court rules, but it wouldn't be unheard of for Vance's grand jury to get those documents well before the election. Uh, keep in mind, the Manhattan DA is not bound by the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel memo that says you cannot indict a sitting president. We could see indictments of the Trump Organization, its executive members, perhaps even the president himself. Uh, Vance has a splotchy history of letting Trump's off the hook, but this is uh, maybe a chance, like a, you know, like a take back, like a redo. Maybe this is his chance to cement his legacy, so he'll be on the right side of history, the right side of the law. By the mm-hmm. way, but we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. We'll <laughs> right, keep you posted. So, fuck yeah, let's uh, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, I know, right? Wouldn't that be fucking astounding? Oh, everyone's like miserable and. COVID's everywhere and, and Mueller isn't going to testify and everybody's all sad and, and here comes a da, 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 an indictment from the mm-hmm. fucking Manhattan District Attorney. That would be, uh, that would yeah. be food for my soul. It really would be. And I feel like it's been glossed over how traditional it is uh, for, for candidates to release their tax returns during the campaigning phase and how far back that tradition mm-hmm. goes. I don't think I understood that until I had read up on it, but one of the reasons why they did this and why they have done this is because of the explicit reason. They need to know if someone is working for themselves or is intending on working for the country. And if you have someone's mm-hmm. tax returns that show that they're a piece of shit that's constantly withholding money that should be given to the government that they are going to run then that's a fucking problem and that's not like it's or receiving right millions of dollars from underwritten russian loans from deutsche bank yeah you might want to know yes about that kind of shit precisely so i hope we get that shit oh finally Mm. yeah we'll keep it but keep in mind everybody if Vance wins this, the public doesn't get these records. Right. The grand jury gets these records. Those are highly secret. Right. But we could see an indictment based on those materials. So uh, we will be right back with the good news block. So stay with us. Hey, friends. AG here. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how revolutionary it is. I talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, Well, they have launched a new company called Allform, and they've gone beyond the bedroom to revolutionize furniture for the rest of your home. Allform makes beautiful, comfortable sofas and chairs delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping. They make it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Normally, if you want a customized sofa, it takes weeks or sometimes months to arrive. You need somebody to come and assemble it for you. That costs you extra. Then you have to do like a nine-hour delivery window, and that costs you extra in your time. But all for them, they just take three to seven days to arrive by mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools necessary. You get to pick your fabric, the color, uh, the color of the legs, the size, and the shape of the sofa to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. And it's great for pod pets because the fabric is spill, stain, and scratch resistant. So I picked out a three-seater sofa with whiskey-colored leather. I've never been able to have that kind of a sofa with the cats, but I do now. And it's got a walnut leg finish. It fits in my mid-century mod home perfectly. Came in a couple of days, put it together myself, and I absolutely love it. It's roomy, modern-looking. Uh, it really ties the room together, as the dude would say. Uh, all form has armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals so there's something for everyone and you can start small and add on if you move into a bigger house or your family grows uh, and best of all you get a hundred days to decide if you want to keep it 
Uh, if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Uh, they also have a forever warranty, literally a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Hey, Jordan, how's it going? Hey, sweaty. Jodan Corburn. Jodan Corburn. <laughs> sweaty tits. What's your new name? Oh, it's going good. It's going good. How are you? Again, we've done this. Uh, I'm all right. I'm still good. I'm still the same. Um, we do have some good news here from our listeners. I'll kick it off uh, from Karen A. Ooh, we got a last initial. I like that. Separate yourself. Separate yourself from the other Karens. Yeah, I'm Karen A. <laughs> um, she says my 88 year old mother in law has decided that she will vote for Joe Biden in November. This will be the first time that she will have voted for a Democrat for president. Not only that, but she's researching every candidate down the ballot and has promised not to vote for any candidate who supports Trump because, in her words, quote, they are just as bad and have enabled his corruption. Unquote. She is also angry with the people in Michigan who defy Governor Whitmer's orders by refusing to wear masks. She said, during World War II, our family went without a lot of things for the greater good of our country, and we never complained. And people complained about wearing a face mask for 15 minutes at the local store. This is just ridiculous and selfish. Uh, my mother-in-law gives me so much hope. Karen, that is awesome. Uh, that yes. is awesome. I would probably use more colorful language uh, <laughs> yeah. than your mother-in-law, but, yeah. but that is awesome. Yeah, thank you is, for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. That is so awesome, and that is so true. Generations before us have gone through so much more than most of us have gone through, um, and that's infuriating that they can't see that. Uh, next up from Sarah, pronoun she, her. Sarah says, one, just found out that as of early July, all operations in Sydney, Australia, including streetlights, pools, sports fields, uh, depots, buildings, and the historic Sydney Town Hall are now run on 100% renewable electricity from locally sourced clean energy. Holy crap! That's so cool! The switch is expected to save up to half a million dollars a year over the next 10 years. It will reduce carbon emissions by around 20,000 tons. Is that how you say that? T-O-N-N-E-S? Or is it tones? Mm -hmm. That's how they spell it in other weird countries that are Oh! Oh, duh! I was thinking that was like, yeah, I guess you can measure gas like that, huh? crazy mm-hmm. that's really funny sorry everyone with my uh imperialist mind here um or well <laughs> i guess imperialism is anyways or the power used by six thousand average households uh <laughs> two as of july 9th a veto-proof seattle city council majority has pledged to defund seattle pd by 50 percent five zero meeting a local black lives matter demand wow that's a decent chunk of money two pieces of good news yeah totally totally i wonder if they have a if they also gave y'all a plan for where they're gonna divert those funds into like community Mm. that would be that'd be cool if they did that also but that's a win details to come i'm sure yes and you know congrats to sydney for that um and 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 i think the big line there is that yes it reduces carbon emissions uh you know but it it saves half a million dollars every year for the next 10 years. It is a money saver. 
to go green. Mm-hmm. It is not a, a money spender. And and the sooner the sooner that the United States realizes that, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, next, from anonymous pronoun she her. I am an MSW listener from the kitchen days, and you have kept me informed and informed and sane. I even get my husband a repentant Trump vote to listen from time to time. Below is my tiny good news story from my red county in Florida. I was taking temperatures outside my outpatient clinic when a gentleman from the neighborhood walked by and struck up a conversation about local development, recently approved by the local government over the objections of the immediate neighbors. He paraphrased Joseph de Maestra by saying, we get the government we deserve. And I answered him channeling AG, then we must vote in numbers too large to be manipulated. He stopped, paused, and said, that's great. I'm going to use that. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for all you do. I'm not sure where I'd be without your voices every day on my commute to and from work. Hell yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. Fuck yes. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right. Our last... Oh, wait. Second to last one. Here we go. From Anonymous, he, him... Uh, Even before the virus hit the fan, I was doing a lot of self-isolating due to professional and mental health setbacks. At the urging of my wonderful partner in February, I started volunteering twice a week at Lifelong, an organization that provides services to vulnerable folks in the Pacific Northwest with HIV AIDS and other chronic illnesses. Check them out at lifelong.org. I've been working in the chicken soup brigade warehouse, packing up groceries and meals for mm-hmm. delivery to our clients. It's super rewarding to know that the work I'm doing is having an immediate positive impact on people's quality of life. And the people I work with are all really great. Well, last week I was named volunteer of the month. I've had a few other achievements mm. in my life that might sound more impressive, but this one is definitely the most meaningful and the one I'm proudest of. Thanks for doing all that you do. I've mm. been listening for a long time and will continue to do so even after the orange man is in an orange jumpsuit and we can all go back to talking about <laughs> how the president isn't progressive enough rather than all the ways he's a hateful garbage monster who's destroying the republic. <laughs> yes. God. I want to go back to the days exactly. where I, I could for talk. The days. Yes. Where I could talk shit on Obama. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, Biden. Get with it. Yes. Oh, the days. Seriously. Those would be the days. I mean, I look forward to those days. And by the way, Volunteer of the Month, that is a hell of an accomplishment. That's way better than Employee of the Month mm-hmm. because employees don't want to be there. Volunteers want to be there. They have to be harder to beat. Yes. You know? Yes. To be a Volunteer of the Month, you have to go above and beyond going above and beyond. Everyone that's there is inherently mm-hmm. going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They just by being volunteers. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. That's awesome. Yes, congratulations and thank you for your service to humanity. Yeah, and check that check them out. Lifelong lifelong.org. They um operate in the Pacific Northwest providing services to vulnerable folks with HIV AIDS and other chronic illnesses. That's so what great work that is. That's really, really important work. All right. And finally, from anonymous, she her. I am a kindergarten teacher in a large urban school district in Pennsylvania. Last week was our first Zoom book club meeting to discuss the book, So You Want to Talk About Race. Oh, yes. Uh, We are a large teaching staff that is made up of predominantly white women, and I'm happy to report that we have over 40 members of our staff who signed up to read this book and engage in weekly conversation, including our principals and a few retired teachers. The book, the book club is being led by three members of our school's equity team who are black and Hispanic members of our staff. The teachers and I are working, uh, the teachers that 
uh, I work with are so dedicated to our students and community and are some of the biggest advocates for social justice issues I have ever met. The first meeting was so impactful and productive that the staff asked if our meetings can be two hours long instead of one. There is so much uncertainty surrounding schools right now, but the one thing I do know is that good teachers never stop learning how to be allies, advocates, and voices for our children. That is so awesome. And if you if you haven't read uh, So You Want to Talk About Race uh, by Olu, you, sh- you need to check it out. And you can also check out, she's given a lot of lectures and uh, a TED Talk, I believe, about about the book. It's really, really incredible reading. And I'm so, so happy that they're doing this um, in, in Pennsylvania. I'm sure it's happening elsewhere, too. But what a great idea. Zoom book club meetings. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yay. Good news. That's my favorite segment right All now. very good news. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's a lifesaver at the end of a show like today's show. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. With sentence commutations and COVID and incels writing Tucker Carlson's lead <sighs> stories and racists and everything that's going on right now. So thank you all for sending in the good news. You can send it to us either by hitting us up on our pinned tweet uh, on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod. Follow us there too. We're so close to 20,000 followers. And uh, you can also follow at Muller She Wrote. That's my personal Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there. And you can follow Jordan at Jordan's Confused. And uh, if you want to submit uh, your good news stories, you can also do it on our website, which is dailybeanspod.com. And there you can do all kinds of things. You can submit uh, your good news stories. You can submit your quarantine confessions. If you have corrections, you can submit them there. Uh, and also, you can sponsor a patron or sign up to be on the wait list to be a sponsored patron. It's 36 bucks a year to, pay, to buy a membership for somebody who can't afford it right now for a full year. You get ad-free episodes. You get them early. You get the research notes in the newsletter, um, a, any book club content, bonus content that we do. You get to come on to the live stream happy hour an hour early. Uh, and... Also, you can submit there what you think our... Oh, our theme is the 70s this week. We decided because mm-hmm. we put out a poll for what decade you were born in. And most people were born in the 70s. So we decided to make this week's theme uh, the 70s. Uh, interpret as you will. Um, you can come dressed as the 1870s if you really want. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, however you want to do it. It's funny. Um and it's uh, that we had so much fun. Um, we brought on so many great people for like internationally too. We had somebody from New Zealand and somebody from Wales. It was, it was awesome to get all those different perspectives, and and we just have it's fun. We have a good time. Of course, the Cohen news broke and the Roger Stone news broke, and we all got to talk about it as it happened live. It was kind of like felt like what it would be like to have a live news show where you interacted with your audience. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was very cool actually. Random as shit. I'm surprised it hasn't happened more. <laughs> I know, because that's when normally the shit happens yeah, is Friday Fridays, night, right? Yeah. And our listeners are so on it, are so engaged that they get all these tw- you know, Twitter updates and, and news alerts. And you know, they'll, we'll be sitting there talking about, I don't know, butts or whatever. And mm-hmm. somebody will be like, oh my God, Roger Stone. And, and, and then send out the link in the little chat window. It's, it's, it was pretty intense. But, but you know, it was great to be around like-minded people when that news broke. It really was. Definitely. So 
check it out. It's Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific time for patrons and 5 p.m. We release the link to the public and you can patrons, you can invite whoever you want at five o'clock and everybody shows up. And I think we get Andrew Torres this week. Maybe Amy Carrera will drop by. Oh, that'd be fine. I don't know. Um, but we'll, you will see uh, who's available. Um, I'm going to start asking people to, you know, pop in and say, Hey, um, some of the people that you've either heard on the show or heard interviewed on the show. So, totally that's that it's so fun it's so worth it 100 percent agreed mm-hmm. anything else no no not really i am uh going to Im- immediately get in the shower after this i am so sweaty it is yeah get clean and then have some <laughs> dinner and chill yes turn your ac on i know god <laughs> damn it like and enjoy your sunday night and everybody else uh will speak to you tomorrow until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag i've been jordan coburn and them's the beans the daily beans is executive produced and directed by ag and jordan coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie mazell and starburns industries Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.